0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder.
1: G'day and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. Um, in my last podcast, I interviewed Greg Johnson on financial management, financial literacy in farming business. It's great. Greg. Greg's a, an avid Business owner and owns many businesses, and he's also a very enthusiastic property investor and property developer. Um, I've asked Greg to join us again on this call when we interview Peter, who um, has a lifetime in the property market um, as an active investor, um, researcher, and now educator um, at university. I'm going to ask Greg to come on board now and introduce Peter. Um, but Peter, thank you for joining us and welcome.
0: Thank you very much, Jeremy. Pleasure to be here.
1: So what we're wanting to explore today, ladies and gents, is just how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting the property market in Australia and um, perhaps where the the, the Things are to the pitfalls to look out for and potentially to the opportunities out there for people looking to, um, to be active in property at this time. So with that in mind, Greg, can I hand to you to introduce Peter? I know that you've been a, a student and an avid um, follower, if you like, of Peter for some time. Um, would you mind
2: just introducing Peter to our listeners? No, thank you, Jeremy, and, and hi to everybody that's listening. And it really gives me great pleasure to um, to welcome Peter uh, Kalizos to um, the podcast today. Um, I did some training with Peter, I guess it must be 18 months ago now, Peter, um, a property mm-hmm. development course that he used to run with TAFE in South Australia. And um, I don't, unfortunately, I think that course is no longer running um, in, in, in the form that it was, but he also is, uh, runs um, used to run some property investment courses as well. But um, um, Peter has, um, uh, as, as you said, a wealth of knowledge in uh, in the property investment space and um, writes for a, a number of publications and I think goes under the name of the property professor um, and uh, currently, I think, is uh, the program director um, at the, the for School of Architecture and um, for the Master of Property, sorry, at the School of Architecture and Building Environment at the University of Adelaide. So, so he's um, really highly qualified to be talking about uh, the current situation with regard to residential property and and what's sort of going on with the economy and what might might come down the track and and so forth. I'll be listening just as intently as everybody else today because um, we're in the middle of a of a property development that um, we've taken on since doing the, the training with Peter. So you said before I was an a, I'm an avid investor in property only since um basically meeting Peter and going through his training and mm-hmm. uh, and I always had an interest in that space but but it wasn't until I actually. Uh, did some little spend a little bit of time with Peter and got a few more smarts about the way to go about it. That I actually sort of um, um, took the leap, so we'll see what happens over time. Thanks, Greg. Um, Peter, perhaps before we get into exploring the
1: property market, how's, um, how's thing in, things in the academic landscape um, for you in your role at the university?
0: Sure, just before I go on to that, I'd just like to say, Jeremy and Greg. This is actually perfect timing, because if you can't hear me very well, that's because it's raining and there is thunder outside, which would be wonderful for farmers, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Send it. Keep sending it to the east. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the first bit of rain we've had for a while, so we're all very happy here in Adelaide. So academic-wise, yeah, as Greg said, I'm the um, Program Director for the Master of Property at Adelaide Uni. Uh we have about 50 students and it focuses mainly on property development. So when I first met Greg, I was running property investment and property development courses at TAFE. But since then, I've moved on now to Adelaide Uni. Um, and, yeah, COVID-19 is going to affect everyone, not only the residential property market, which we're going to talk about shortly, and probably more so the commercial property market, but... Um, Academia as well, because with the travel ban, it's very hard for international students to, uh, to get to Australia. And our university is no different to many other universities around the country where we do have a, a large proportion of international students. At the moment, we are using Zoom like we are using right now for our classes, and that's going okay. But, you know, all of us, me included, can't wait for the time that we're all back in a proper classroom, interacting as we should rather than just uh, online. So it will be interesting to see what happens with enrolments in second semester, because in the Northern Hemisphere, their academic year finishes very shortly. And then they start again in uh, after their summer break. So they start again in about September, whereas we we would start in July, our second semester. And then interesting to see what happens in the year 2021 as the flow-on effect. So it, everyone is going to take a hit with COVID-19. There is no doubt about that. It's amazing, Peter, to see just how rapidly
1: businesses and large institutions like yours are adapting to what's playing
0: out, isn't it? Yeah, well, we had to. Even, you know, you go to the lower level at schools, and my wife works at a school, so they've gone from you know, teaching little kids face-to-face to to now ideally teaching them online. But, you know, either not everyone has the internet or if they do, there may only be one computer for the whole household. And if mum and or dad is also working from home and there might be two or three kids, well, it's pretty hard to share. So therefore they would have hard copy packs sent home and then they've got to send them back to school. But look, the promising news is, uh, New South Wales has already signalled that they're going to start opening up schools in a few weeks' time. And in South Australia, the Education Department is strongly encouraging all parents to send their kids to school as of Monday. So I'm pretty sure we have seen the worst of COVID-19. Uh, it's not truly over yet. We have a long way to go yet because we still got restrictions at our state borders we've obviously got restrictions at our national border but things are improving. Greg is a scientist and researcher do you have a
1: similar sentiment or slightly different?
2: Yeah a little bit different in that um, I'm having an understanding of epidemiology and and disease in populations um, you know I, I can only see two ways out of the current situation and that is either by increasing herd immunity and that's either going to be uh, through natural infection or through vaccination inf- in, um, immunity uh, to a point where um, enough of the populations uh, immune so that the the um, everyone else is protected or um, we uh, are able to get to a point where the virus is actually eradicated from an area now that's certainly possible i mean in south australia i think we're we're close to that now in that our number of new right. infections are extremely low per day but um <laughs> and so it's quite possible that we could reach a point where the virus actually no longer exists within the population in South Australia, but the problem you have then is that it only can only be maintained that way if you stop it being imported from out from um, outside, sorry, from across the border or overseas. So that's not a long term solution. Um, and the only other way out of it is to is a cure for the people who, uh, or a successful treatment for people who are badly affected by the disease. So I think I think we've got a fair way to run yet, but I, I think that the <clears throat> the timing of significant restrictions you know is 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 coming to an end. we will we will see some loosening, I think of the restrictions, but I can't see any sort of way out of this in terms of return to you know what what would be considered to be normal activity for at least twelve to eighteen months or until a successful vaccination is developed.
1: yeah, it's so interesting. We're in uncharted waters, aren't we? Peter, on that note, how have you seen um the property market impacted? I know it hasn't been a long time. It's, we're only, you know, into our second month of this, really. Um, what what observations um, and insights do you have about the property market?
0: Yeah, so, you know, this is not going to be a really happy podcast, unfortunately. Just forewarn everyone because there's not a – I mean, if you are a, an owner of property or looking to sell property or looking to rent property, things are not going to be – so good. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it will be worse than the GFC. The GFC didn't really impact on Australian property. It will be worse than the recession of the 1990s, uh, but it's not going to be as bad as some other major shocks to our system, including the Great Depression or World War II. So, but there are some saving graces for us. Firstly, The fact that interest rates are so low. So Greg might remember, Jeremy, you look quite young there. You may not remember, mate, but Greg and I might remember the 90s in the recession when uh, we were paying 15, 17, 20% interest rates for property. So, you know, when, when you've either lost your job or lost hours in your job or lost your business and you still got to come up with a mortgage repayment based on a, 15 to 20% interest rate, that is huge. But at the moment, interest rates, 2 to 3%. Plus, on top of that, uh, APRA is actively encouraging people to move from principal and interest to interest only to alleviate their cash flow issues. But the biggest one is the fact that banks are very, uh, very ready to give people a six-month holiday on their mortgage Other than the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, which is actually foregoing the interest during the six-month period, all the other banks and lenders are capitalising it, but still from a cash flow perspective and and all of the people that are listing are farmers, they would know, know, it almost doesn't matter how much the farm is worth, cash is king. You've got to have cash to keep the business alive. So the fact that you might have to pay a little bit more at the end or your loan might go for a little bit longer is a small price to pay for the fact that you can still survive uh, this uh, particular pandemic. So far as property prices are concerned, but well, I have seen headlines where property prices are going to drop thirty percent. I've seen a major bank come out to say it's going to drop by ten to twenty percent. In my humble opinion, it on average across the country, it's going to drop by five to ten percent. I'll tell you why. Yes, there is, there will be less demand from people wanting to buy property because, number one, they have more important things to worry about, their health and their employment or their business. So they're not interested in looking for a bigger or better home at the moment. Most people aren't really interested in looking for investment property at the moment. So demand is way down. Plus, something else which I only realised yesterday is I mean, most people would know that there are no face-to-face auctions so you can go online. But what is happening is a lot of banks are withdrawing their unconditional approval, which is what you need to go to auction. So even though they may have online auctions and real estate agents will tell us, oh, you know, not much has changed, it's just that we're on the computer instead of being on site, the reality is the vast majority of people who buy at auction even though they can go unconditionally because they are pretty confident that they can borrow the money, the banks are saying to many customers, especially often dependent on the industry that they're in, you know, if it's retail, if it's hospitality, if you work at Centrelink or work in health, you're probably pretty lucky. Um, So there is, overall, there will be less demand for people looking to buy property. But on the flip side, there are also less people looking to sell property because they've also got more important things to do and look after their health and worry about their employment and worry about their business. So if we look at Economics 101 and price is a function of demand and supply, you're going to have lower demand plus you're going to have lower supply. Now, ideally, demand and supply will drop in proportion to each other, but they won't. There will be a lot less demand. And supply, But at least they're both moving in the same direction. So that's why I don't think we're going to have a 30% hit because both demand and supply are dropping and that's why I don't think we're going to have a 20% hit. But that also assumes that they start lightening the restrictions sooner rather than later and we get back to normality sooner rather than later. But the section of the residential property market, that will take a hit is the rental market, because unlike the buying and selling market where demand and supply is down, in the rental market there is less demand. There are less people looking to go and rent property uh, because they have more important things to worry about. The young kids who may have recently moved out of home and may be working in retail or hospitality, even if it's a part-time job in retail or hospitality, they are more likely to move back to the family home because they have lost their hours or lost their position in that particular industry. You've got uh, people on temporary visas. They don't qualify for any of the government subsidies that are being handed out at the moment. So therefore, they're going to have to look at consolidation. They're ac- consolidating their accommodation situation, which could mean either going to shift in with another family or families or maybe even going back home. So demand will be dropping. However, in contrast to selling property, the number of properties for rent are increasing, because what's happened is with holiday homes, but more particularly with Airbnb and the travel ban, people are not getting any income. So they want, they need to get some sort of income. So lots of these people that have short-term rental properties are bringing them. Bringing them onto the long-term rental market. So what we are seeing here in the rental uh, perspective, compared to buying and selling, is decreased demand and increased supply. So price is going to drop. But if I can just give you, you know, my personal example, I have a number of investment properties, but I'm not. Even if I was interested in selling. And I am interested in selling in the next year or two, but even if I was interested in selling right now, I wouldn't because, number one, I know it's not a good time. Number two, there's no problem me paying my mortgage because interest rates are so low. i still got my job, but even if I didn't have my job, I can ask the bank for a six-month holiday. Mm -hmm. So there's no panic there. So that would be a saving grace for me. But rents like – and Greg would know this property because he saw it last year. I've got a – I built three properties last year on the uh, Esplanade of Port Alunga South, which is a seaside suburb in Adelaide, and my one of my tenants, their business uh, came to a close on the 16th of March. Um, so what's happened there is the, the poor person doesn't have an income, their business is shut because of COVID-19, and they can't afford to pay the rent. So they've actually already left. So now I have vacant property. So I'm in the situation where I've got a really nice property on the Esplanade and I'm trying to rent it out as we're moving into winter. So for me, I'm willing to take a hit on the rent that I'm going to get. And I know it won't be the same rent that I was signed them up for last year just to get the cash flow going. Because the longer I hold out, that means the longer I'm without cash flow. So for me, I'm better off having somebody in there, even if they're paying 20% less rent than they were before, to help with the cash flow. And then when their lease is up, and assuming the market is better, then we can increase that rent. But yeah, I mean, that's a long way of answering your question, sorry there, Jeremy. But in my opinion, in, in residential property, sales or, and prices won't drop that much. But for those people that already own investment properties, be prepared to be renting out your property less than what you rented it out for, say, last year. Be prepared for longer vacancy periods. It may take a little bit longer to rent. But there's no need to panic.
1: So oh, that's a fantastic summary and assessment. Thank you, Peter. What, what, with that lower supply and lower demand in the residential sales side of things, that, that presents as lower volumes of sales in most major centres. What impact does that
0: lower volumes of sales have on, on local economies? Oh, that'll be huge. All those people that depend on transactions like real estate salespeople, real estate agents, conveyances. You know, all of these people, and already I've heard of conveyances being laid off. uh, Real estate agents have applied for the job seeker payment because they've been stood down from their places of work. Um, And without property transacting, and property is a big industry. Like for memory, residential property in Australia is worth $7 trillion. Uh, which is more than the value of commercial property and the Australian stock market and Australian real estate investment trusts combined, and that's where about half of Australians' wealth is held. So it's it's a very important industry, and if we are not transacting, then the economy is going to be hit hard. Now, I mean, it's too early to talk about, you know, what incentives the government's going to give after this is over because they're still worried about what incentives they're going to give whilst this thing is still going on. But I'm pretty sure that there will be some some like first home owner grants or first homeowner incentives or incentives for people to get back into the property market to start stimulating the economy. Because once you stimulate the property market, then you also start stimulating the economy.
1: It sort of does speak to your point before about um, just how quickly we now recover um, and the degree to which we can move back to um, getting over the economic impact that's already taken play. Do you, and to your first point, do you see our recovery
0: um, short-term or medium to long-term? So the drop-in activity and prices and rents will be relatively sharp but we're not going to lag down the bottom. Like it's not going to be two years for us to recover. I think um, recovery will start in the second half of the year, but that's only the recovery starting. That's not to say we're going to get back to where we were. So I expect property prices to be lower by Christmas than they are today. I expect market rents to be lower by Christmas than they are today but they would have had they would have improved from their trough which is going to be sometime in the middle of the year because we're also coming into winter which is a slow selling season mm-hmm. so that plus covid-19 is not going to be good at all for the property market plus the restrictions on like there are no open inspections and generally if you're going to spend a few hundred thousand dollars on a property you want to go and see it most people do anyway yep. so and yes, you can have private inspections, but then it takes coordination between you and the real estate agent, mm. and just makes it harder. And in in some states, they have a, a very severe restrictions if there are people already in the house that is for sale or that is for rent. Yeah. So, yeah, mm, I, I, I do apologise for being the bearer of bad news, but it's, it is not the end of the world. What it does present is a good buying opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. which perhaps we can come to. I I don't think you're necessarily being the bearer of bad news, but very much a realist, which I think our listeners will really appreciate. Um, Just two questions, and I'm happy for you to explore them in in either order. Um, The first one is, is it a similar story in the commercial property sector? Um, and, Mm -hmm. And then also, what are you seeing around property development and um, I guess any any um, alternative trends or
0: stories in that space? Okay, I'll start with property development. The construction industry is probably going to be the least affected by this because whilst restaurants and cafes are shut down and you can't go and see your physio or your chiropractor, um, the construction industry is still motoring along. So that's going to have the least impact except maybe for those speculative builders who are building properties in the hope of selling them when they're finished. Mm -hmm. If they're going to be finished in the next couple of months, there will be less demand. So the construction industry is going to be the least hit by COVID-19 and property development will be the least hit by COVID-19. Just to give you an example, Jeremy, how important property development is in New South Wales, They extended the rules as to when you could work on a property on a construction site to include weekends and public holidays. So they were very keen to have people continue to work on those projects. Mm -hmm. But what is going to take a bigger hit than property development and the residential property market is commercial real estate because commercial real estate, the value of commercial real estate is based on the rent. Now, if your tenant has, if the business in your property has gone broke or a lot less trade, then by, I'm not sure if it's law, but certainly heavily recommended by the federal government that the rent also needs to drop. So if you, let's say if the rent, if the business activity has dropped by 40%, then the rent also needs to drop by 20%. So it needs to drop by 50% in proportion to the business activity. So if somebody comes along to buy the property and now you're getting 20% less rent, in theory, they're going to give you 20% less as a price to purchase the property. Yes, things will improve, but when? Like it's not like, and I, and I agree a little bit here with Greg, when cafes and restaurants do open up, It's not like we're going to be sitting really close to each other around a table. So there will be less people in these cafes and restaurants, which means there will be less trade. And the other more structural issue is now that workers and their employers have had a taste of people working from home, I think whether productivity is the same or it's a little bit less, the, the cost in the savings in uh, renting office space can be significantly reduced if you can have a portion of your workforce working from home for a portion of the week. So you might have 20 office workers but you might and at the moment you have 20 desks or, or rooms in there. you may you may be okay with 10 or 15 instead because you can say you know with flexibility and work practices, One or two days a week you can work from home and we have what we call hot desks. So nobody really owns this computer or desk, but you can come into the office and do some work from there. So I think structurally office property is going to change for the very long term. And bricks and mortar retail was having a bad time of it anyway. Like The internet was killing bricks and mortar retail um, because people were just buying the stuff online. So what I think will grow is industrial and storage because rather than going to the shop to look at the clothes to buy, you look at the clothes online and then the delivery driver will go to the warehouse of that shop and deliver it to your door. So I can see more of that happening but unfortunately um, less of bricks and mortar uh, retail, bricks and mortar office, that is going to take a bit of a hit. I, oh, my goal was always, because I, all of our properties are residential properties, my goal was when I got to my latter years and I'm 59 now and I didn't want to deal with residential tenants, I was going to buy myself a little shopping centre and, you know, you might have, say, 10 tenants in there and if one of them goes, you still got at least another nine. Mm-hmm. But really, the only thing that is surviving and thriving in a shopping centre is the supermarket. I mean, at the moment, it's also pharmacies, granted. But you know, you look at this—you look at the sorts of shops that have closed. And, may, and for, for your farmers, where you may not have a shopping centre, but you would have a, a main street with shops. The amount of shops that have closed up, that are for lease, that are for sale. Um, is just phenomenal. So, it's residential property again has shown that it is a safer investment than commercial property. And because everyone needs a place to live, whether you're going to buy the place or whether you're going to rent the place, everyone needs a place to live. But when it comes to commercial property, technology has certainly changed that space. There'll be more business done online. And you could be sitting in your pyjamas at home doing the business rather than, you know, getting dressed in a suit to go into town to do your business. So yeah, commercial property, unfortunately, is going to take a hit. So for those people that own commercial property, just be prepared that you might need to take a hit when it comes to renting it out next time. So you might be getting less rent and it might take a little bit longer to rent. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Do you have any observations or questions
1: at
2: this stage? Uh, no, not. No, well, I, I want to talk a bit uh, down the track about, um, about about residential property development and whether now's a good time to be involved in that or not, Peter. And 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 also, I want to talk to you about you know where people who might have interest in learning more about residential property investment and 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 property development will go now that you're not running your courses at TAFE anymore, but. Um, I don't know when you want to cover those, uh, but you can file those ones away for a bit later on, Arch.
1: Well, if you're happy, Peter, to cover
2: those now. Um, oh, totally, absolutely. So I've got a bit, I've got a bit of a vested interest here because I think, I, as I mentioned at the top of the interview, I'm I'm halfway <laughs> through a property development and and we're just um we've just been negotiating with a builder and we've got a builder signed up and so now our next step is to raise the finance for the build and so we're probably about all things being equal we're probably about 14 months away I suppose from having properties ready to sell. So I'm just I'm just interested from a personal note, um, Peter, about whether you think it's that's, that's the right strategy or whether we, we actually should kick back and hold off for a while.
0: Well, I, I think in 14 months' time, the market will be a lot better than it is today. But if you could hold off even a little bit longer, Greg, so you've got planning approval already, haven't you? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. Yep. All right. Well, you know, planning approval lasts for one year? That's correct, yep. And then you can pay a little bit of money and get it extended for another year. Do you have building approval? Ah, uh, we do.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, building approval lasts for three years. Yeah. So, the point I'm trying to make is there is no rush. Are you going to sell these or are you going to rent these when you? Oh, finish? I, we'd like to sell them,
2: but we'll rent them if we have to. But we'd like to sell them if, if possible. And I guess the only issue then is how long we can string the builder along. <laughs> That's the at the moment <laughs> because uh, and we and to be honest with you, we've um, and I think one of the the upshots of the well, up, up you know the good better parts of the current scenario is that we've been able to negotiate um, significantly better building terms than what we started with. Uh, we've been able to knock about 130000 off of the, the turnkey build cost um, with our builder, with a selected builder. So, And that's through um, a fair bit of negotiation, but also I think the current climate's had a little bit of bearing on that as well. Um, so, you know, we've got it down to a price that we, you know, that we that fits our feasibility and we're pretty happy with. So, so um, I'm mindful of the fact that that price, you know, may not be around for um, for, for a long period of time as well. So there's that there's that side of the, the corner as well. I suppose we could slow him up. We could get him started and slow him up. <laughs> yeah, the problem is if you slow him up, then you're
0: you're paying interest on the mortgage. So correct, You're, correct. you're just paying interest on, on the land that you have now. I think very importantly, Greg, you've got to think about if you're going to sell them, and I know you're in a beachside suburb with some nice views and pretty close to the beach, you want to be selling it in springtime and summertime. So that's going to, so if you work back from that, and let's say it's going to take 12 months to build, you know, you wouldn't want to be starting to build right now so that they're ready in April next year. That would be the worst time.
2: Yeah, yeah. My, my feeling is that the, it's going to take us two or three months to get finance uh, done because that my, my current um, uh, finance broker is telling me that whilst all the banks are telling them, telling them they're open for business, um, they're, they're very slow. They're very, very slow at the moment.
0: Yeah. They are very slow. I'm just getting some loans refinanced at the moment. And it's, ta- like it's taking months, not weeks. It's yeah. taking. Um, so let's say three months. So we're in April now. That would be July. They'd be ready in September, October. Yeah, look, if, if it was me, Greg, I, I would start. I wouldn't have a problem starting in August or September of this year. However, though, because you know a lot of you have the medical background, not me. If I don't know, we have a second wave of contaminations, then that's going to slow things up again. But we will know, surely we will know by August if we can have another wave of contaminations, aren't we? Rick? Yeah, they'll know as soon as they start relaxing restrictions. They'll yeah. know within yeah. a
2: month of whether whether it's going to be a problem or not. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot still, un- you know, still unknown about this virus. You know, we, do we have um, carrier states sitting out in the in the um, in the population that we don't know anything about, so people who mm-hmm. are asymptomatic shedders who, who hold the virus and shed it, and you know, do we get a lot of asymptomatic transmission that we can't detect currently? You know, there's there's a lot of unknowns, and also how long does the current immunity last? We don't even know that uh, as well. Yeah. So it's quite possible that people who have been infected might actually be susceptible again in three to six months' time. So yeah. there's a lot that we don't know that we don't know at this point in time.
0: Yeah. So I look, I think. With the way things are now, I wouldn't have a problem starting in August, so they're ready uh, spring, summer time in 2021. But just keep an eye on the situation because, really, once you start, you have to keep going. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, And you and I both know the builder because he built my properties on the Esplanade I'm sure you could negotiate. I, I could have a word to him, mate. and I'm sure
2: we can out. <laughs> I, I'd i <I'd> appreciate that <laughs> uh, if, if it comes to that. So, And just on another question, if you don't mind, Hutch, um, a lot of the people that we deal with in Farmers Academy and I'm sure a lot of the listeners um, in the farming space actually do own residential property or property that they rent out. Um, and I, I think one of the things that um, uh, I'd like your opinion on is, uh, you know, obviously with the current situation around interest rates and so forth, I mean, those guys... Um, should they be out there trying to refinance those those properties now? Or or um, I guess the other side of the coin is um, you know potentially if the if the banks are going to revalue their properties downwards, then potentially they could end up with um you know with a lower amount of equity that they can that they can pull out of those properties anyway. So maybe, you know, there's an opportunity to not do that. So what do you what do you think what's your
0: thinking there? Um it depends on each individual situation. So all of your all of the people listening today are farmers. I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know much about the price of commodities and stuff, but I'm assuming as compared to, say, retail and hospitality, farming is going to go reasonably well, um, especially as the export markets open up again.
2: Yeah, wool's, so, probably yeah the only, wool's probably the only one that's going to take a hit at this right. point in time. But, but the meat-based industries and grains, I think, will be should be okay.
0: And interest rates are pretty low if they've got loans on their farms or their businesses. So, look, it certainly wouldn't hurt to ask the question because if you can get an interest rate of 2 or 3% and um, and lock that in, oh, no, I shouldn't say lock that in uh, because they might even go lower, I don't know. But if you can get an interest rate of 2 or 3%, that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So there is no harm in asking the question.
1: Yeah, good point. Thank you. And one of the other questions, Greg, um, touched on that we might cover now, Peter, is, is for people who do want to learn more about how to invest and build out wealth in residential and commercial property, um, how can they do that at the moment? You fellows run courses, don't you? We do run courses, but not so much in property development. Or Or maybe you need to find somebody
2: who could help you run a course on property development, (laughs) Jerry. That sounds like an advertisement, Peter. So we we might take you up on that, I think. we're very open to that. Thank you.
0: Okay, or maybe we could talk about that later. But look, for now, if you're interested in property investment, there's lots of good books around. Some of the authors that I like include um, Margaret Lomas, L-O-M-A-S. She's written maybe eight books on property. She's also got an internet TV show called Property Investing Matters. Um, uh, property development, there's a fella called Ron Forley, surname F-O-R-L-E-E. He's written three books on property development. But I'm actually writing my third book as we speak on property development and I'm writing it with Margaret Lomas. So Margaret's doing a development down at Christie's Beach. So we're using that as a case study. Um, so she's writing it like a diary. I'm coming in over the top as the so-called property development expert and, and giving tips for people on what to do and what not to do. Um, also, I've, I've mentioned the development I did on the Esplanade at Port Norlunga South. If you Google my name and uh, 196 Esplanade, you will find a series of videos on that development. So we talked to the builder the architect, the building designer, the accountant, the real estate manager, the property manager, all those people involved in the project so you can get a better idea of what property development's about. And I've also written a series of 10 articles called Property Development 101. Again, if you Google my name, Property Development 101, you'll find it. I think the website is called The Property Investor Magazine. So look, there are a few things people can do from you know, reading articles on the net, uh, reading books. But one of the keys is your network. You need to mix with people uh, that are successful investors or you need to mix with people that have already developed um, because they can give you the real-life experience. Like some of the resources that I mentioned, even, say, Ron Forley's book, like uh, two out of his three books are fantastic. But Ron is based in Western Australia. So, you know, what you can do in South Australia or what you can do in Victoria would be a little bit different to what you can do in Western Australia because so far as town planning is concerned, it is state-based. But in South Australia, we have a wonderful opportunity coming up because our planning system is changing so it's governed more by the state government and there will be areas where the zoning changes Some areas will become less developer-friendly, some will stay the same, but importantly, some areas will become more developer-friendly. In other words, you can build more on there, say, next year than one you can today because of the change in zone. Thank you. That's really useful. I think I encourage people who are
1: looking at learning learning Um, some of the skills and theories we're touching on today to tap into those resources. Thank you, Peter. So perhaps one other conversation, if I could. For people who are wanting to be proactive at this time, um, are there opportunities in market? And and if so, where might people be starting to look and, and how
0: active should they be? Well, that, I think they firstly they should be getting their ducks in, in a row. They may not want to pull the trigger yet cause, because times are uncertain and in the in the farming industry, times are always uncertain. Uh, you don't know if it's going to rain, when the sun is going to shine, what's going to affect the crop, what's going to affect your animals. And, and, so, and it all depends also on your risk profile. But certainly I would be getting my ducks in a row, by working out exactly how much I can borrow, step one, and then going to speak to my accountant to work out whose name am I going to put the property in. Be aware that if you do buy investment property now, you'll probably get a lower rent than what you were last year or what you could get next year. But I think importantly, Jeremy, this is the time to get into prime areas. Now, if you can afford it, Don't bother staying in the low-priced areas. If property is going to drop in value and some individual properties will drop more than others, this is the time to get into your prime eastern suburbs of Adelaide or eastern suburbs of Melbourne or eastern suburbs of Sydney or prime beachside suburbs or expensive areas in our regional and rural parts of Australia. If there was ever a time to do it, this is it.
1: And given that the, um, you know, the recovery around this may well be medium-term rather than long-term, it could present as as good timing, as you say, to be starting to get proactive in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just, you know, we're trying to determine how long this is going to last. And because it's a health crisis, it really depends on on that rather than the the basic fundamentals. Because the basic fundamentals... You know, haven't changed a lot. Yes, they've changed. You know, in the last few weeks, so far as unemployment is concerned, for example, or underemployment. But the basic fundamentals were pretty good. You know, five weeks ago. Um, so this is this downturn is only going to last months, not years.
1: Mm. I know you don't have a crystal ball, Peter, but but five and ten years from now, as we recover economically, do you have? a perspective at this stage on what might play out in the property market longer term?
0: Yeah. Look, I think and look, I, I don't you know, I don't have that crystal ball, I do, but it doesn't work. <laughs> I think what's going to happen is a bit like we saw a few years ago, and foreigners are going to become very attracted to Australia again. You look at our performance after the GFC, didn't go into recession. We've held the world record for not going into a recession, which is, I think, 29 years. But also, look at our performance battling COVID-19 compared to many other countries, including first world countries. So if you were either looking to invest your money or you were looking to come and live in another place, Australia is looking very attractive. So what you have is... More demand. It's not just Australians looking to buy Australian property; it's foreigners. Now, at the moment, we do have a an impost. So, if a foreigner wants to buy, let's say, second-hand residential property, they have to pay an extra seven percent. But let's say if property prices do drop by ten percent, and but you have to pay an extra seven percent, you're still in front. Mm. So, I, I can see um, I can see property doing very well in the medium to long term, not because just our own economy will improve, but also there will be much more attention from foreigners looking to either invest their funds or maybe looking to move to Australia on a permanent basis. Wonderful.
1: Greg, any other comments or questions?
2: No, I just always love it when we get to experts on these calls, Hutch, and and listen to them. it's fantastic and really, Peter, um, I think your your insight and um, expertise in this area is, is, is really second to none. So really, uh, really appreciate you taking time for us. Pleasure, Greg. I look
0: forward to that project of yours coming out of the ground mate. I think he's gone. No, sorry. No, no right. I'm here. No, me, me too. No, sorry. I thought it thought was gonna no, no, wait in there. So, no. that's right,
2: mate. No, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to it It's been a, it's been a. it's been interesting getting through the council, but anyway, that's uh, we're, we're there now.
0: <laughs> and many of us could say that, mate. Many of us could. interesting <laughs> is a good adjective you use. I probably wouldn't use interesting, but I could use many other adjectives.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, well it has been a learning experience, put it that way. Yes. That it has
0: been. Yeah. So Peter, um
1: yeah, on behalf of all of us at Farm Owners and, and our listeners, really appreciate the time and insights that you've shared this afternoon and um, to our listeners, there's a whole lot of learnings in there about um, how to navigate the next few months but also um, where to be cautious, um, how to adapt and, um, and how to potentially prepare to be on the front foot to uncover opportunities in the medium term. So... Peter, again, sincere thanks. We look forward to continuing to have a working relationship with you around um, helping people skill up in this area. Thanks all. Thanks very much for your time.
0: Pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. And Greg, good to chat to you again, mate. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Take care, everyone. Thank you and bye for now.